How's your week going? Very busy, very busy. And obviously, you know, we're doing, doing some hiring. So there's like a lot of conversations and interviews more than the normal sort of like standard workload. And it's so, a short week to boot. So like, yeah, true. You always think you yeah. have more time in a short week. Yes. <laughs> but you don't. I woke up today really excited about the twos of things I had to do for the podcast. And I was like, it's Tuesday. <laughs> My pun didn't work. It's ah. Wednesday. Yeah. It's Tuesday in your heart. It's okay. It is. We'll just skip over a different day and then it'll be Friday. It, yeah. We'll just work till Thursday this week. You're done. Yes, exactly. He's learning spelling with Texas Instruments Speak and Spell. L-R-A-I-N. That is correct. She's teaching her brother with Speak and Spell. H-E-R. That is right. They're learning new words with Speak and Spell. But don't tell them they're learning. They just think they're having fun. Speak and Spell for words. Speak and read for stories. Speak and math for numbers. From Texas Instruments, they make learning fun. Tyler, we are here to talk about Speak and Spell. Did you ever have one of these when you were a kid? Absolutely, yes. I feel like any, yeah, you, how can you forget, you know, red, big handle at the top. Yeah. Digital letters. That sounded like it was possessed. Okay, so actually, I will admit, I don't even, re- my childhood memories of this do not remember it speaking. I literally just remember that you could like spell things into it. So I feel like I'm missing. It was. It was. Yours didn't speak. It was spelled. It probably did. And I just, you know, that part of my brain isn't developed (laughs) enough to retain memory of that. Maybe it was like the the voice, the voice that it emitted was so terrifying that you chose to block it out. Yeah, that's very well could be. There, I remember there was a comedian that had a joke that was something about speak and spell. And he was like, don't you mean speak like the devil? <laughs> yes. See, now I'm really sad that I like, I don't, I'm missing out on that whole shared experience of the speak of the speak and spell. And I just, I don't remember. Here's my bill request for the episode is to put it in so that when, when this goes live, you can hear it instead of everyone else. I always like to uh, tell people a little about myself. One thing is when I was a little kid, I was a terrible speller. I could not spell. So my mom and dad tried to help me out. They got me a little helper, a little friend, a little aide. They got me a little red box called Speak and Spell. You remember this thing, Speak and Spell? Yeah, no, 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 no. They shouldn't have called it Speak and Spell. What they should have called it Speak like the devil. Remember the voice? A-E-I-O-Y-O. On June 11th, 1978, Texas Instruments, maker of the notable TI-80 series, calculators we were all forced to buy in high school, introduced the Speak and Spell, a talking educational toy for children. The device features the first electronic duplication of the human voice on a single ship of silicone. Uh, Speak and Spell utilized linear predictive coding to formulate a mathematical model of the human vocal tract and predict speech based on previous input. It transformed how digital information was processed through a filter into synthetic speech and could store more than 100 seconds of linguistic sounds, which I feel like doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about one, the fact that it's 1978 and two, that it was yeah. on a chip small enough to like put into a kid's toy. Pretty cool. I mean, and that's like a minute and a half. Like that's not, 
mean, again, it's different, but you think about today, like the amount of data, like a voice recording of a hundred seconds is, is like a substantial. You can't like send a single hundred second video through a text That's message. Exactly. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. So the development of the Speak and Spell began in 1976 uh, with an initial budget of $25,000, which is 128580 in today's money. It was created by a small team of engineers who were led by a man named Paul Breedlove. The completed proof version was the first console of the first console utilized uh, solid state speech technology, um, which was a kind of similar to how numbers were stored in calculators at the time. Um, additional purchase cartridges called expansion modules could be inserted through the battery receptacle to provide new solid state libraries, which then gave you new games. Um, it was the first time an educational toy utilized speech that was not recorded on tape or phonograph. Uh, it was also developed in conjunction with its clearly less popular brethren and sister in speak and read and speak in math. It was named in a milestone in 1999 by the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers and was repopped uh, like four years ago by a company that bought the name. I, so you mentioned that they had basically additional like storage cartridges that you could buy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like today, specifically I think about like video game consoles, right? You can buy additional storage, like additional hard drives. Like you plug in, oh, I'm out of space, need more games. Was this like the first hardware toy like consumer hardware that like hey go buy more storage you know there's oh. your your add-ons that's a good question when did atari come out because you could buy atari cartridges i feel like it had to be that's true at the same time. uh yeah yeah i'm sure there's going to be people who remember the the day and i i would guess Atari was first. If it's 78, I feel like they might have been a little bit before that, but I could be wrong. We can ask the magic answer box. The 2600 came out in 1977. So there you go. Just a year earlier, regardless of which game system it was, like that was really groundbreaking at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, one to be able to store sound on a on a silicone chip like that that wasn't pre-recorded yeah. and two you know just like um being able to change out cartridges do all that kind of stuff i feel like by the time we were interacting with it we also had other toys that were kind of along those lines since neither one of us were born in the 70s but i want to really like at that point yeah, but it feels like a, a early pioneer of like that monetization strategy, right? Of like, yeah. hey, buy more stuff to plug into your hardware, you know, for more use. It's yeah. interesting. You saw it with digital cameras, but those weren't around, obviously, until later, you know, decades later. I wonder how cool it was as a kid for, for that to be like one of the first toys that you got to play with, like one of your first educational toys instead of like spelling blocks and stuff like that that would yeah, have been pretty I'm sure yeah yeah pretty mind-blowing yeah i mean especially look at like what kids have today i'm sure you can obviously speak to this better than i can not having kids but like you know you can you can play these kind of games with like alexa and 
Google Home, stuff like that. Uh, what kind of things do you think would be in this if it were reinvented starting today? I feel like today with the, you know, the resurgence of, I mean, not even resurgence, but the just like maturation of AI and the predictive, you know, language models that we have, you could you could do all sorts of like cool storytelling exercises or, you know, tell me about this or, you know, like it could be interactive, right? Where it's not just, here's a prompt, but like, how do you, how do you dialogue? Because, you know, you can dialogue chat GPT. And so I feel like, you know, kids could have like, it's, it's almost weird. Like you, like you could have like a, do you talk to it? You know, like, is it a, a friend that has a conversation? You or know. if it would be like a combination of like the speak and spell and the speak and read. Like as you spell, you learn how to use the words appropriately in a sentence and store start start building stories and mm-hmm. uh, like I guess just get more complex off of the bat. Yeah. And then you know, you harvest the best stories, sell them as children's books that parents hate and children's yeah. love because they're written by <laughs> five year olds. Yes, <laughs> but you still get to read them three days. Yes, a week. you still get to read them every night, uh, multiple times. I feel like kids today would feel really constricted by the amount of words that the original one had. But you know, like it depends on age, right? Because when you're a kid, like you can't appreciate the technology of it. You know, like it's yeah. just like, oh, this is like what it does. Yeah. You don't like remember it before. You know, it's like I've noticed that with my kids with things like um, like Facebook's like Portal, right, which is like really neat in the way that it can like track your movement and how it can zoom in and out from, you know, like when you're like FaceTime 2.0 sort of, right, um, the wide, wide angle lens. But for kids, they're just like, okay, like it's cool, but like they don't like appreciate how like before that technology didn't exist, you know, so. Yeah, it is like it is interesting how it's like you have to be older to appreciate like the, you know, accomplishment that some of that like technology is. But the advancement it was for its time. Mm hmm. Like, you know, I, I mean, I I got on the Internet for the first time with like a clear guest phone that you had to pull the thing off and like actually type a number in. Yes. I don't think kids would put up with that. Do they know how to use a phone like no. that? Um, no. Or like tell tell time on a non-digital clock, like analog, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard that that's a skill that, I mean, which maybe isn't even that necessary anymore. Like I maybe that's valid, but it feels, feels like a necessary thing for me. But I wear a watch that has a, like a regular watch face and i'll still check my phone still check my phone to see what time it is yeah that's habit though you can at least read the clock you know the the yeah i still write in cursive too i do a mix it's it's a manuscript and cursive because i'm lazy i yeah i just don't feel like lifting the pen yeah exactly why are you even writing things on paper (laughs) yeah so it feels uh, good, you know? Because I'm still a Luddite at heart. Something that's crazy to me is that even by today's standards, a $25,000 budget is like 
Yeah. That's nothing. That part is wild. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know a lot about like the hardware space today, but I would imagine that it's like impossible. So even if you took in today's dollars, you said it was 128K or something, right? Adjusted for inflation, 118K last year. Uh, (laughs) Yes. If you, uh, like you can't do any, anything that's hardware related for that today, just with manufacturing costs, you know, your supply line. Like I just, I don't know, but I'd have to guess that that is. I guess you a developer. Yeah. I mean, let let alone to do that. Yeah. Let alone, like you might get some designs like, Hey, if you, here's like some drawings of like what your hardware could be for 120 K, you know, like, yeah, but definitely not even like a prototype or that has any of the plastic now. Okay. To be fair, it's Texas instruments. They probably already have some of those resources established, right? So maybe it's easier true, true. for a small group and a company like that to go, Hey, we can get these like mocked up or something, but still uh, not to take away. I don't think anything is close to doable today for that. I wonder if them being part of Texas instruments was kind of what like prompted the idea since it, the information is stored on a chip the same way you would store information in a calculator. Sure. I wonder how somebody made that leap between like, if we could do this with numbers, why couldn't we do it with sounds? Yeah. I mean, I think that's like the interesting thing about, and some of the, you know, some of the implied promise about, you know, big tech companies is like when you have your own IP, when you take the time to develop the, you know, through lines of manufacturing and supply where it's like, Hey, we actually can, we own this part of the process. We we can control, you know, the resources on yeah. on that side, the physical side of things. Like, it's easy to go like, well, let's try this. Like, what about this? Um, but I do think that's that's interesting. Where you don't see that often today. You know, it's like you typically have companies that are just, hey, we do this thing with hardware, um, yeah. or vice versa, right? Like we don't touch the hardware; we just touch the software side of things. I mean, Apple's interesting where they've been developing more of their um, control on the on the supply side, on the manufacturing side, right? Uh, yeah, for the for their hardware, but it is interesting, uh, and it's also interesting to think that like where is Texas Instruments like today relative to popularity? Then you know, smartphone market probably made them take a hit. That's the interesting thing is like, you know, I don't know, I but I would imagine they were like considered very highly in terms of like their technology at that time. And here we are, you know, four or five decades later and a whole set of new companies, right? Basically yeah. in that space, which is just really, like it's not long uh, to, you know, have an ebb and a flow of somebody who feels like they're at the pinnacle of like tech advancement, which is just interesting. Yeah. I would have to guess that like they're if they're still around, they're doing like a lot more like scientifically geared research towards technology. Yeah, and maybe and maybe they're like doing great, right? It's just more of like we're minimally informed here. So Yeah, minimally informed. <laughs> do you have favorites of your kids' educational toys? And do they have favorites that are different? I I would say we're just now like getting into that. I mean, unless you want to talk like books, then for sure. 
and there's a discrepancy, right? Like their favorite books are not my favorite books. Generally, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, um, and sometimes they can grow on you, right? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say that like that's probably a common thing. I mean, I remember like as a kid, you know, I'm sure some of my favorite toys were not like things my parents wanted to hear. I mean, you hear it all the time, right? Like, ah, I'm gonna, I need to throw this toy away because I can't stand to hear it play its thing again you know like that's still true for sure today you know um i mean i remember one of my favorite toys like i was probably elementary school age but it was like one of those globes with all the different countries and like the pen where you could touch it and they would tell you like something about like the country and you could do games where it would like say a country or say a state or say a continent and you had to like see how fast how many you could get like i like those i mean because i'm competitive like those i loved and we did those a ton you know, I'm sure my parents are probably like, oh, my gosh, if I have to hear the little like chime of <laughs> new game, like, you know, one more time, it would destroy it. But one that my sisters and I played a lot was uh, Simon. Do you remember yeah. that game? Oh, God. My parents had to hate that. The same four tones over yeah. and over and over. Yes. To recognize patterns and memorize them. Oh. Yeah. We try to be like, we try to be good aunts and uncles and not give our niece and nephew like super irritating things. But my mother-in-law's, <laughs> it's, it's appreciated. Like, here's a drum set. <laughs> <laughs> Those types of things are either like really well received or they're out of the house really quickly, generally. You're like, we're in, this is actually a basement. Uh, this is a basement toy and we're not allowed in the basement. So. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think that toy got ruined last night. Uh, we had to throw it out. It was a project flood only in that corner of the room. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be a cool, a cool gig to design educational toys for kids and kind of try and see, or you can take technological advances and kind of apply them to to like an appropriate scheme for kids. There's so much yeah. on the internet that's not a good place for children. So to find the good parts of it and build, you know, like good things would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think that'll be the trick more than anything is like, how do you gate the access to the powerful parts of, of that, right? Like you can't just, you know, you want to chuck Chad GPT into a, a toy, Wi-Fi enabled. You can't just let that rip, right? Um, so how do you like, and then make sure that it's, you know, sturdy enough and it's like protection that you can sell it and have it be, um, you know, responsibly used or what have you. And same thing with just like any, anything that's Wi-Fi enabled, right. Is, um, I mean, we've, we've experienced that where, you know, sometimes we've even like tried to find like, Hey, books on tape, right. Like how do we. Because one, like if you can find them, they're typically not too expensive or, you know, library or something like that, right? Versus the newer versions, which are like digitally um, enhanced or enabled are also oftentimes like pretty expensive. Like I know that there's like an equivalent to that today where you have to buy like little, basically the same kind of deal. Like, hey, you want a new book, you have to buy the thing that plugs in. It's all digital, but it's like, you know, 150 bucks or something for like the hardware. And then all the books you have to buy are additional, you know, whereas like you can go to like a used bookstore or something and find like, you know, book on tape for like a dollar. Yeah. You know, so it's just interesting too to think about like 
what are the you know benefits you, of it versus yeah. not how do you build those guardrails and are they even worth it if you can build those guardrails yeah right because it's not you know i'm sure it's expensive and like consumes resources to have to do that for a product you know yeah probably need more than 128k for that how much do you even have to set aside to pay somebody to do a job you don't know exists i think that that'll yeah, more be more than a, that that'll be a super uh that'll be a super like interesting thing to watch as this kind of stuff grows with ai and um you know those tools that are like some they're somewhat helpful for adults but how do you how do you mainstream that stuff to keep yeah. it It'll happen. Like I'm, I'm confident that it'll happen. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, we're, we're pretty early in that. So it's not cost effective probably right yet. Um, but, but I think it will be right. It'll, once you start to figure out how to, you know, containerize it and, and, and utilize it in different sort of, um, you know, distinct ways that it'll, it'll make its way into like that consumer. And then they'll charge you an extra $5 a month to not get it hacked with curse words yeah what's the what's the 1978 equivalent to that i don't even know like the kids who like figure out how to you know yeah tee i i did this or that like you couldn't i would be interested to see what the what the repop one was since that was just done in the last few years not that i think it has Mm. any ai sort of capabilities but like if it was if it was just built in the last three to four years and it has yeah it has internet wi-fi capabilities i'm sure somebody can do something atrocious with it yeah true yeah <laughs> there's not yeah there's always somebody who, who will figure it out well on that note let's hope nobody does anything nefarious with the speak and spell let's hope we can continue to keep kids learning and having fun yeah. Man. If it hasn't happened on the speak and spell by now, we're probably safe, but I'm sure it's happened on day <laughs> one. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by gun.io. We drop two episodes per week, so if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the frontier pod and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.